0: Hey, I'm so glad that you guys are here. My name is Kenny. I'm the campus pastor. And if you're a guest, thank you for giving us a few moments of your time uh, this morning, especially as we continue this series called Joyride. And if you weren't here last Sunday, let me bring you up to speed. Bring you up to speed. You see what I did there, anyway. So that um, was a total by accident. Uh, we're going through the book of Philippians, and we started last Sunday looking at Philippians chapter one, verse one. So you haven't missed a whole lot if you're just uh, jumping in with us here. And uh, the things that I asked of you during this series, uh, the next five weeks, is number one, just try to be here every single Sunday. If you miss a message, you can go to the podcast or go watch it online. Our Sugarland campus is uh, the video is there. If you would rather watch the video, Uh, and also make sure you grab a Bible that you can start reading through the book of Philippians, And, and at the end of these next five weeks, you will have studied through one book of the Bible, so if you've never done that before, that's pretty cool to be able to say you did that, and the third thing is, don't do this alone, make sure you are in a small group, and I'll mention a little bit more about that later on, and so the book of Philippians, though, just jumping right in, is really about joy. And I know that new seasons of life can bring a lot of new joys of life. Uh, fall is here, so school is in session. There's a lot of excitement for parents to get their kids out of the house, so there's joy there. Uh, the, the football season is in. Anybody? Yep, yep, yep. So a lot of joy there. And, uh, but as we are already learning, happiness in the football season can turn to a moment of sadness in just one kick. Is it too early? I don't know. But, you know, that's just kind of the way life goes as well and that you can be happy in a moment, but in a moment's time, it just seems like you can just immediately lose your happiness as well. And uh, this is one of the bottom lines that we talked about last Sunday. If you weren't here, happiness is tied to circumstances, but joy is actually tied to God. Now, you might be listening to me going, are you sick? The answer would be, yes, I am. And uh, I don't know if anybody else is struggling right now in the cold season, but I'm struggling with sinuses. And uh, let me kind of tell you, I thought uh, I would just want to share with you my world, apart from sleeping about two hours each night for the past three nights. This is everything that I'm taking right now. I have, uh, no, really, join, join the fun. Uh, I got vitamin C because you take vitamin C for everything. Uh, I've got the Mucinex. We all know what that does. That's gross. I won't explain that. I've got the, uh, now this is actually one of my favorites. A lot of people don't like this. I love this. Alka-Seltzer Plus. Anybody in the room? See, either you do or you don't. I like it. This is the uh, non-drowsy, which is bad for me. Good for you this morning. So we'll get through this together. I've got the uh, the nasal sinus rinse for the shower. (laughs) It's like shooting acid up your nostril is what this is. Never done acid, but I'm just guessing that's what it feels like. So I got this going on every morning as well. I've got uh, this little, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what this is right here, but it's like a little shot. Anybody, you do this when you get sick, kind of, just so you can breathe a little bit. So I've been doing this for the past 24 hours, and on the way to church, I take another shot of this, and it, it, was, it was fun. My, uh, I get told that I'm doing it wrong by my 12-year-old. I got that going for me. And, um, and then I've got this little nasal uh, shot right here. Anybody do this right here? This will make you feel like your eyes are falling out when you shoot this up your nose, so that's fun. And then I've got Allegro right here. It's supposed to dry you up. No, see, I don't even know if it works either. And then, of course, you've got your, uh, your immune emergency that you're doing, and my wife believes in tea, So I'm loaded on all of this right now. I don't know what kind of sermon this is going to be at the end of the day. I'm just telling it to you right now. I'm not even going to remember what I've talked about after 30 minutes from now. But this is the world that I'm living in. Not counting my spit cup, right? You know what happens when you get sinus stuff. Not counting the rolls of tissue that are just wadded up everywhere I go in the house. But this is my world right here, right now. If you were to ask me, are you happy right now? No. (laughs) No. That's the answer, no, I'm not, right? There's nothing happy about my world right now at all whatsoever. I'm missing events, can't leave the house, can't talk. I mean, it's just very frustrating. No, I'm not happy, but this really is true. Do you have a lot of joy right now? Absolutely, I have a lot of joy. Last Sunday, 10 people signed up to be baptized at our baptism party coming up at the end of the month. How, how can that not give you a lot of joy, right? Right? Which, by the way, if you've never been baptized, join the party right after the service, go to our baptism table, grab a shirt, and get dunked. It is your way of telling the world that you've given your life to Christ. So 10 people last Sunday signed up to be baptized. Small groups has kicked off. So I've heard so many great stories of people in small groups. I'll read you one in just a moment. And so uh, two people last Sunday in the service gave their life to Christ at the end of the service. There is a ton to be... Uh, have joy about, but happiness for me right now? No, not happening. And that's the whole point. I think this is what Paul is saying, that life is this way for you. Either you are just coming out of a storm, you're in a storm, or a storm is coming for you right now. Let's all pray together. Doesn't that encourage you? We'll see you later. See you next week. But that's life. See, I I think many times what we want is just get me out of the pain. Give me something to fix my pain. Because if I can be pain free, then I can be happy. And God says, it doesn't work that way. See, even Jesus said trials are coming your way. If you're not in a trial, just just give it some time. And as long as we live with the mentality of, just give me the answer to my pain so I don't feel this way anymore, well, then you're never actually going to experience joy. Here's why. Because happiness has no space for sadness or disappointment. Joy, on the other hand, creates space for sadness and disappointment. Like there's room for that, in the midst of joy. When you're experiencing true joy, you really can be a little upset at times because of the situation, because of the circumstance, but you can still have joy. You can be sad because of something that's happened to you or something that's happened around you. Of course you should be sad about that. You're not human if you don't experience sadness in moments of sadness. But it doesn't mean you can't have joy. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking to us about and trying to explain to us through the book of Philippians. Now, if you weren't here last week, let me kind of give you a, a recap of why we should really listen to this guy talking about joy. The past four years of his life has been anything but happy. The circumstances of his life for the past four years have been just it's been cruel, it's been unfair. He has not deserved any of it whatsoever in his life. None of it he has deserved. The first two years, starting these four years, the first two years, he was in prison in Caesarea. It was there that he was actually beaten or whipped with rods. He was stoned twice. Let me back up. He had rocks thrown at him twice to die. (laughs) It's a different world. Uh, and And then after the two years in prison, He gets on a ship because now he's going to Rome under Roman authority. On his way to Rome, there is this massive shipwreck that happens in the winter. He gets stranded on this island. He's bitten by poisonous snakes. I mean, this is is like survivor for real. I know the new season is coming out in two weeks, but this is like survivor for real for him. Then he ends up in Rome where he is chained to a prison guard for two years, 24-7, no privacy. He's lost all of his freedom. And he's under Nero, who is not known for his niceties uh, for Christians. He's known as a murderer of Christians. And Paul is waiting to stand trial that he did not do anything wrong. Under Nero. These are the past four years of his life. And yet here's what he continues to say, Philippians chapter one, verse eight, I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Now, how does he do that? Like, how does he say that? How does he really believe that? I'll give you the the truth about this word rejoice. And it's really cool. Happiness is based on circumstances. As long as I'm not hurting, as long as I'm doing good, as long as life is good, as long as everything in the bank is okay, my family's okay, my marriage is okay, I don't need anything to help me then, I'm happy. Here's what joy and rejoicing comes from. It's the belief, it's the belief, it's the hardcore, 100%. I truly believe this with all my heart, that my entire life is under the umbrella of God's leadership. My in everything that enters my world comes through, comes from my Father in heaven, and I truly believe He is a good Father. I truly believe He wants the best for me. I truly believe that though my plans are not like His plans, every now and then, they might sync up. But for the most part, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah says this, he does not think like we think and he does not act like like we act. Therefore, what he says is good, sometimes in my life, I may not see as good. But Paul believed, this is the word rejoice, he believed, I can rejoice in the midst of these horrible circumstances for four years, that everything that comes to and through Uh, my life is from my father in heaven. He is watching every single bit of it. So I'm going to rejoice. And then he lays out in the rest of Philippians chapter one, which is where we're going to be. How can we truly find joy? And how can we rejoice in circumstances such as these? So I wrote some of these things down to have joy in the struggle, not away from the struggle, but in the struggle. How can I actually have joy? Here's the first thing. Stop asking why. Why? stop asking why. You never read in any of Paul's letters, which were written in prison, most every single one of them written in prison, you never have him asking why. Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to us? Now, I'm not saying it's a bad question. I'm just saying at some point, you got to stop asking the question. You can become addicted to introspection so much that your entire world continues to look back going, why, 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 why? And if you continue asking why, you will never have joy. Here's why. <laughs> Here's why. Here's what he said. I want, I want to flesh this out and then I'll tell you why. Here's what he said in verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, that I didn't cause this, this wasn't any of my doing. It's not like I had any responsibility in making all this come on my life. No, no, this has happened to me. And what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. It's really served to advance the gospel. Here's what he's saying. In the worst of my circumstances, I'm actually seeing it the best. How do you have that perspective? Here's why. Because I'm not asking why. That's not what I'm gonna ask. And most people cannot have joy in the midst of their struggle because they can't get away from wanting God to answer the why in their life. And the perspective that Paul has is bigger than his problem. The perspective is God's in charge. I don't know why. God's in charge. He might tell me why later. God's in charge, but I might not ever know why. But God's still in charge. The perspective for Paul is bigger than his problem. So he says, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to rejoice that there is an advancement in the gospel. And so my encouragement to you is don't get stuck in the why when you're in a struggle. I'm not saying don't try to figure it out. Don't ask questions. I'm just saying there's a better perspective. Don't get stuck in the why. College students here, don't get stuck in the why when you didn't get the job after college. High school students, when you didn't get accepted in the college you want to go to, don't get stuck in the why. When you didn't get the promotion and you did everything right, but the person working next to you did, don't get stuck in the why. When you enter financial hardships of life, don't get stuck in the why. When you roll over in the morning and look at your spouse, don't get stuck. Okay, so anyway, you see what he's saying. This is what he's saying. I'm just... So here's what, I wanted to add on to the first part though because this is really important. Stop asking why and start asking what. Let, Let me kind of flesh this out. Stop asking why and start asking what. Verse 13, here's what he says. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, very important phrase, the whole palace guard, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. You wanna know his perspective, by the way? He's in a Roman prison, two years, 24 seven, tied to, chained to a guard, but here's his perspective. I'm not chained to him, he's chained to me. There's a perspective in your struggles. There's a not, why am I chained to him? The question now is, God, what do you want me to do in my circumstance? Oh, what do you want me to do? Share Jesus? Absolutely. I have a captive audience. (laughs) That's a perspective change from a why to a what. God, what do you want to do in this situation? God, what do you want to teach me in this situation? I want to stop right here because this is the temptation for all of us in the room, all of us in the room, When we hit a struggle in life, the temptation is, God, go ahead and teach me what you want to teach me so I'll have a message for the world. Nothing wrong with that. God can, and Scripture teaches, God uses all of the, to comfort us in our trials, it's in Corinthians, so that later on we can comfort those who go through the same trials. I get it, I get it. But here's what I'm saying. What if, the trial that you're going through or the struggle that you're going through isn't to teach you a lesson so you can share with the world? What if it's to reveal a belief about God you don't have? And it's not a lesson for the world. It's that in your struggle, he's actually wanting to reveal to you something you don't know about him. And at the end of the day, He's using your struggle or your trial to reveal because pain has a way of revealing things about us that are in us we never knew were there. Pain just kind of makes it shift all the way up to the top and then we start struggling. And this is where it usually can come a why, but what if you turn it into a what of going, what do I really believe about you in this moment, God? All the whys of life happen because people are broken if you want the answer to the why, that's why. People are broken, so they hurt each other. Why do I do the dumb things I do? Because I'm broken. Why why, why is the world so hurtful? Because it's broken. That's the answer to the why. But in the what can actually reveal what you truly believe. Here's what Paul believed about the what. Why am I here? God will explain it later. What am I going to do here? I'm going to advance the gospel is what I'm going to do here. And here's what it says. It says that the entire or the whole palace guard, let me tell you why this is so fascinating. He is not just chained to a Roman guard. He's chained to the elite Roman guard. When it says palace guard, these guards were chosen by Caesar himself. It was an elite group, a special group of guards. So Paul is not just chained to a guard. 24-7, four-hour shifts, a new elite chosen by Caesar himself, guard comes in. They work in the palace grounds, in the praetorium. After they have served for 12 years as a Roman elite guard, Caesar then appoints them to leadership within the Roman province. (laughs) Paul's dream was to be a Preacher in Rome, to the thousands, to the millions, Colosseums, the big screens. Put me I mean, this was his dream. You read about him wanting to go to Rome to be a preacher. This is what he wanted. God puts him in prison. First of all, to slow him down, I need you to write about 13 books. People in the theater are gonna need them one day. <laughs> but here's where I'm really gonna use you. I'm gonna chain you up to the future leaders of Rome so you can tell them about me. I know it's not your plan. I know this isn't what you wanted. This isn't even your dream, but I'm promising you what you're going to share with them. And we know that they actually came to know Christ, many of them. Sources actually say that even in the the praetorian, the, the guards, the elite group, getting back to some of Nero's family, coming to know Christ and that God would say, Paul, I know this isn't your dream, but I'm gonna use you to influence the future influencers of all of Rome. Under, under, right under the nose of the man trying to stamp out all of Christianity. Not the why, but the what. What now? What now? In this circumstance, what now, God? Let God speak into that for you. Instead of throwing your wife, ask the what to see what he reveals. So stop asking why, start asking what. The other thing that Paul actually teaches us is this, that we need, in in our struggle, if we're going to have joy, we need prayer from others and power from him. Can we just all agree that life has a way of knocking you down and sometimes feeling like it knocked you out? Uh, Anybody go to work at a place where right when you walk in, your boss or employees look at you and go, hey, we all prayed for you today. As a matter of fact, your boss, he fasted for you today. Just wanted you to know that's why he's not doing lunch today. She loves you that much. He loves you that much. Anybody? Anybody? No? That's not the world we live in. So here's the question for you. Who do you have in your life who is praying for you? See, here's what Paul said. Here's what he said when it comes to having joy and rejoicing in struggle. Verse 19. I will continue to rejoice because I know that, what is it? Through your prayers and the help given by the spirit of Jesus Christ. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul says, there's two things in my life that can cause me uh, to rejoice, that I can choose to have joy in this circumstance. I know that people are praying for me. I know it. I know it. People are praying for me right now. It just does something to my spirit. And I also know that the Holy Spirit is gonna empower me or provide for me. Now, what's so, so, this is such a beautiful term because the word he uses is, is this word provide in both of those. And that word literally is like a dance between a couple that knows how to do it. You know, not like me, but they know how to dance. That you have the prayers from those who love you and this empowerment for the Holy Spirit. It's both as they dance around your life. Some of you in your are like, huh? Okay, baseball term. It's like a double play that's beautifully turned. <laughs> See, there we go. Now I got you. A, this is what he's talking about. It's both of them. Listen, this is not just a line. This is why we truly believe you need to be in a small group. This is what Paul is saying. Man, I've got my small group. Man, I've got people praying for me. I love this. This email came from one of our leaders who started their small group this week. And I love this. I thought this was so good. It was written to Marshall, our small group director. He did the welcome here says, I actually couldn't wait for tomorrow. I had to email you today. Today was the launch of my lady small group. I've been praying for weeks for this one moment. There were five ladies who showed up, some of them brand new to small groups. The amount of joy, yes, real joy that we felt today by the Lord was so exciting. We were scheduled to meet together for one and a half hours, but we ended up staying for three hours together kids included. Now that's a miracle right there. (laughs) She explained how all the kids went into one room and it's like, they never whined. They never cried. They played together, making friends themselves. They said it was a miracle. It was absolutely beautiful. It was amazing. And then one of the most joyful times, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I can't wait for next week. I'm praying for your small group and all the other small groups too. And I know with confidence that the Lord is doing great things in our lives. Sounds very familiar to the verse I just read. Isn't it crazy? 2,000 years later, and it's still the same secret to joy. Now, you may not know this. Some of you do, that we have a prayer team. What you may not know is that they meet at 830, 30, theater 11, just to my left. You're right. And they start at 8.30 praying. If you have ever turned in a prayer request online or on our communication card, please pray for my marriage. Please pray for our finances, whatever it is, that they pray for those. There's actually someone in that room praying for you right now. So when you have this moment in this room of like, oh man, God, it's like he's talking just to me. That's not me talking to you. That's God talking to you. And I believe that happens in part because of the prayer team that's praying for God to do something amazing in this room right here. Right after this, you can go take communion and the prayer team pray for you. Now, he also says this, not just do you have somebody really praying for you, really praying for you. But he also says that I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need the provision of the Holy Spirit. And that there's this realization that God, you really are wanting to do something in me. It's the what, not the why. And I'm wanting you to know that today, before I walk out of this door, I need you. God, I want you to teach me who you are throughout the day. And this is what he does. So we, also, so we need to stop asking why, start asking what. We need the prayer of others. Make sure we're surrounded by people who are praying for us and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the third thing that Paul teaches us today through this passage is this. We need to know you're in a win-win situation. If you're in Christ, if you're a Christ follower, you're in a win-win situation. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, here's what Paul says. It's my eager expectation. That Those two words are so good, by the way. Eager expectation. He's using this running analogy of, of when a person is running, that they're actually straining forward. That they're, man I'm not backing down I'm going full speed in life and I've got my head out my neck stretched because I know this is going to be a reality for me and I'm eagerly expecting I'm not sitting back going I don't know what's going to happen man I hope everything works out okay he's going "No, no 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 I'm leaning into this knowing God is working when I can't see him working it's my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage now As always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Check out verse 21. For to me to live is, what's the word? And to die is, what's the word? Question, what do you do with a guy like that? What do you do? You ever thought about that? Like if you're you're Caesar, if you're Nero, Paul, you keep teaching about Christ and we'll kill you. Awesome, I can finally go see him. Okay, you keep teaching about Christ and we're gonna keep you chained up. Awesome, I can keep telling you how great he is. I mean, what do you do with a guy like that? Have you thought about this? What do you do with a guy who really believes that everything that happens to him is filtered through the hands of a loving heavenly father and he's going to rejoice no matter the circumstance. And if he dies, great. I can finally see him face to face. If I continue living, awesome. I can keep telling people about him. What do you do with him? Nothing can shake him. Take anything away from him. Oh, by the way, it already has. Everything's been taken from him. And he's finding his true purpose. My purpose in life, is Christ. That's it. And then he says this in the next verse, verse 22. He kind of fleshes this, this out, this little, this little dilemma of dying and living. He goes, if I am remain living, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain here, is more necessary on your account. (laughs) He's like, what shall I choose? Go to heaven or bring heaven to earth? Hmm. That is true joy. It does not matter the circumstance. It's a win-win situation for me, no matter what. How would you fill in the blank? For me to live is... For me to live is my career. I'm telling you, man, I get up early, work long hours. For me to live, if someone were to follow me around, they would know it's about me just getting to the next level, getting to the next platform, getting the next accolade. For me to live is my career, really? Miss two days of work in a row, see what happens. Isn't it true the world we live in, you're one pink slip away from being told we don't need you anymore and you don't have to do anything wrong. Your whole world in that moment crumbles. For me to live is pleasure. It's for the next rush, the next high, the next weekend, the next partner. Really? What happens when something happens to you in the moments of those pleasure? that wrecks your world and your future forever. And now everything you've lived for has come crashing down. If you're in middle school, high school, for me to live is popularity. Man, I wanna be the YouTube star. I want people to know my name. Really? Here's something that you don't know now, but you will two years after you graduate. Go back and no one will know who you are. For me to live Is Christ. Everything I own, everything I am, I'm bringing under His authority and leadership. And my question is not why. My question is, what do you want to do with everything you have given me to make your name known? That's a win-win. Because whatever happens, I'm going to believe you wanted it or you caused it, either way, You're large and in charge, and I'm not.